You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to Walk It Out. Now, today we're going to be talking about happiness. How many of us needs a little bit of happiness in our lives right now? I know. I do. This is going to be a great conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Katie Orr is passionate about helping women enjoy God daily. As a national conference speaker, prolific author, and online Bible coach, she provides biblical teaching and relevant resources to help women jumpstart their journey toward walking with Jesus. Katie and her pastor husband have three children, and they serve together in the local church. So welcome, Katie. Hey, hey, Trisha. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. So tell us a little bit more about your life in the bio, like maybe a secret, since we're talking about secrets. Oh, a secret. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that one. No. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. I'm pretty boring, but um, I grew up in Southern California, and but now I live in Florida, and I've lived in like... I don't know, four or five states in between there. Uh, five might okay. be a little pushing it. I don't remember anymore. We've moved around a lot. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I grew up in Northern California. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm in Arkansas. About you. Okay. okay. Yeah. I so in Arkansas. You, but this see, is those my are like story. two different states Northern California, are, oh. Northern California. Like the culture is yeah, we different. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We were on the side of a mountain. So we were like an hour from Oregon. So sometimes, you know, I say mm. we're Southern Oregoners. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. more, we were more Oregon than we were California. And there's yeah. like our town was 3,000 people. It was a mill town, like on the side of a mountain. We had tons of snow every winter. Um, but the town I grew up in, you're going to love this. It was called Weed. Nice. <laughs> so I grew up in Weed, California. It's still there. Yeah. Like you could look up. I went to Weed High School. Nice. <laughs> and, and I was a cheerleader at Weed High School. So honestly, we had a cheer that went, Weed, hi, is the best. Hi, is the best. Hi, you look at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, my god. So goodness. usually when I talk, like usually when I speak, sometimes I'll throw that in. You have to fill the crowd, though. Because like I've so been at some funny. homeschooling conferences, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to tell this not crowd about funny. weed. <laughs> They're not going to get this. And then some crowds, I'm like, oh, yeah. They're gonna and I was I was in Kansas City at a, a homeschool conference and I like shared that in one talk and the next talk this lady came up to me she was like are you gonna talk about weed again and I'm like oh no she's gonna like say something bad she's, I'm like I don't know should I she's like oh yes goodness. I want my husband to hear it so, like you really have to fill the crowd for that one how I so. I just there's so many questions I have so many questions <laughs> but I'm here to talk about you and your book. So. <laughs> Oh, oh, see, we're talking goodness. about the happy soul today. This is like a perfect way to get it going. <laughs> that is so funny. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a while to recover from that one. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll start talking while you like. 
So <laughs> ask me book, another question. Yeah. <laughs> ask you another question. The book is Secrets of the Happy Soul. So this is a good way, good, good way to start this podcast. Um, and, she, and Katie's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm still laughing about the weed thing. I guess that's a secret about me. Sometimes I get the giggles and it is just hard for me to stop. It's usually with bathroom humor. <laughs> Sorry for those of you that don't like it, but th- it's just something about it. It's just like sometimes my husband will just walk up to me and go poop just to make me laugh and it works. Oh my so goodness. there's your secret. There's the secret. Super Have you ever shared that on a podcast? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> there we go. That's, now I know every time <laughs> what to do with Katie, I've got, which is I've, so funny. I've, yeah, I've grown up a little bit where I can I can resist it, but especially okay. when we're first married, he'd just say that, and I just couldn't I just couldn't control laughing. I promise, that I'm serious. Cool. I'm mature. I <laughs> she's a Bible I, teacher, people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, because our oldest son is 31, he just turned 31. Our youngest is nine, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, I'm telling my husband, like. When are we going to outgrow the poop jokes? <laughs> we've had like tw- 31, well, he wasn't talking when he was a baby, but you know, like yeah, a good yeah. 25 years of constant like <laughs> poop jokes in the house. Like I'm done with the poop jokes. <laughs> I've been hearing them for 25 years straight. Yes, yeah. You, you've, you've seen them all, done them all. Oh, heard we, them we've all. heard them all like yeah. over and over <laughs> for 25 yeah. years. So oh. Okay. Well, okay. So I'll go, I'll go to my questions. Why don't we do that? <laughs> um, so this is a good one because I wrote this down. And I think it's a good segue. Um, so I think in the Christian world, happiness is given a bad rap. Yes. And I think so many times, like we talk about joy and having joy of the Lord, but like, even when we talk about like being happy or having happiness in your life, people are like, oh, that's worldly. <laughs> you shouldn't like seek happiness. Mm-hmm. And so I loved it. Like when I'm reading your book and then I, it, when I got to page 50, it's like mind blown about how Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 is like the gateway to the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Psalm 1, 1 starts how happy is the one. And then Psalm two twelve goes all who take refuge in him are happy. I was like, what? How can I have never heard this before in my life? So let's talk about that. Like just how it's given a bad rap, (laughs) but like the Bible actually says we're supposed to be happy (laughs) or we should be happy. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know, I did not start out to read, to write a book on happiness. I mm-hmm. was in the camp of, I don't think, well, I know I have taught it like a long time ago, just because I was parroting something I'd heard. But um, I mean, I wasn't like a happiness. No, you can't use that word ever. But I think if I yeah. if I had been at, pinned down and asked, I would say, yeah, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Like, like Christians shouldn't pursue happiness, but joy's okay. Like, I, I think I would have made that statement. And so I... I but what I was doing, I was in seminary for a, a, a systematic theology class, and I wanted to study. And I, I knew also that I wanted to write a book. I wanted to write a book. And I wanted it to be out of the Psalms. And so I started mm. studying the Psalms. And as I'm looking at the technical, academic, really smart people that are talking about the Psalms, that I was expecting them to kind of give the stuffy answer of, there's a difference between happiness and joy. It was like nowhere to be found. If anything, mm. it was overwhelming like the this the Psalms is a textbook for a happy life. I mean, like, like, like things like that that these scholars are saying, and it just blew my mind. And I never had heard 
what you just said about the Psalm 1 and 2 are actually not technically part of any of the the books. There's five books to the Psalms. You might see that mm-hmm. in your Bible. If you open it up, it'll say book one, book two, book three. Yeah. And Psalm 1 and 2 are actually not technically part of any of those books. It's the introduction for what we're about to read. And it's just, it's, it's, it's poetry. It's very um, deliberate. Every word is there for a reason and in a very specific order. And I only scratched the surface because I don't understand Hebrew <laughs> and I don't right. understand Hebraic poetry. But from the the few, I mean, and I did read lots of books about this in my research and all signs point to this is very deliberate and they're setting it up for the rest of the Psalms. And it's pointing to the fact that God has created us to live a fulfilling, happy, fruitful existence. Yeah. Abundant life. Like it was, and it's not just yeah. like an eternity. Um, it's abundant life on earth. And I, like you said in the book, it talks about, uh, it's almost like a trailer for a blockbuster movie. And I'm like, what? Like I'm sitting here, my mind is blown. Like, this mm-hmm. is so cool. I love it. But when you think about like Jesus, like he was hanging around with the sinners and mm-hmm. like the children were coming to him. I mean, his personality must have been so different, especially from the Pharisees who were just like watching and trying to catch everyone being bad. Yeah. That, uh, the difference in, and, um, I'm doing a Bible study right now called um, Jesus and Women by Christy McClellan. Mm-hmm. And McClellan. I've heard a lot about it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I'm talking about like even how like the way like him just touching a woman woman in that time would be like so inappropriate and so like mind like blowing. But women mm-hmm. and sinners and children were everything were coming to him and he was reaching out and touching them and letting them touch him. I mean, just all the things, letting hair, a woman's hair on his Mm. feet. Like Mm -hmm. that would have been like so bad Um, Mm -hmm. because women only were supposed to show their hair to their husband, like just the stuff. And you like, Jesus was a happy person from the way just he interacted and people were drawn to him. Um, Yeah. And so then like, I'm thinking about this because I'm just doing the Bible study and then I'm reading your book and I'm, I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> like, it's just it's so cool. I love it. I love yeah. when God like does that and puts stuff together. Okay. Yeah. So another thing that you talk about, I think is so, so I want to jump over to when like you first became a Christian, um, like focusing on the do's and don'ts. And that was so me. Like when I was reading that, I'm like, that is so me. It was like, okay, all the things I need to do, all the things I can't do, all the things I have to stop doing, like uh, listening to the music and watching soap operas that I really didn't want to stop doing, but I knew I needed to stop doing. And I think when we first become Christians, we often get so focused on the rules and it does like it becomes so burdensome and heavy. So I would just love you to share just a little bit about that in your life because I think that is such a great foundation for then realizing like, no, wait, like it's not just about the rules. Yeah. Well, we know clearly if, if you've read um, the Gospels, which our church right now is is in the Gospels through our Sunday morning material, and it's just over and over and over again how we see the bad example, the poor example of the Pharisees who mm-hmm. were so close yet so far away. They were so close. Like they they were the obedient ones. They were the ones that, that if you could – earn your way to heaven, they would, they, they would have 
they would have done it. They would have, they would have done it, but there's a heart piece. It's not just about our actions. It's about our attitudes. And I really think it's about our motivation that drives our actions. And for so long, I did focus on the do's and the don'ts, like the checklists. Cause I like that it's black and white. I still mm-hmm. like checklist checklists. I still like somebody to tell me what is the ideal so I can try to reach it. And that inherent, that, that is not wrong inherently, but if we try to make that the framework by which we can experience salvation, by which we can experience intimacy with God, it's actually going to drive us further away from him because we are depending more and more on self. But the do's and don'ts are important, right? I'm not saying, mm-hmm. hey, just throw all those out the window just because do whatever the, you yeah, want. <laughs> because the <laughs> other side of that spectrum is the license. So you've got legalism on one side and license on the other side, where it's like, hey, grace is free and I've accepted it and now I can do whatever I want. And the Bible right. also condemns that side of the spectrum. So what does this look like? And for me, it's really been as I study the scriptures and I see it live out in my own life, it's when I am primarily focused on God and what he's done for me, it stirs, it just stirs up this worship in me of, Mm. oh my gosh, like God has, his, he's just amazing. He's, he's done so much for me. And as I also take a good, healthy look at who I am without the do's and don'ts, who I Mm -hmm. am at my core without Christ, it's not pretty. And so Uh the more I see the disparity between God's holiness and my wretchedness and God's like awesomeness, amazingness, um, I'm missing all the, those are like, those words just don't even touch how magnificent God is. And then how like nothing I am really truly. And the more I see the disparity there, then when I understand, like when I look at that disparity and think he sent his son to die for me, And Uh Jesus lived a perfect life for me and Jesus died on the cross for me and you and ultimately for God's glory. Like he did all that to save sinners so that we could experience the glory of God. That makes me want to obey. That makes me Uh want to worship because worship or, or obedience rather is really just the right response to God's grace. And then I start doing the do's and don'ts because I realize, oh, Okay, these do's and don'ts are in God's word for a reason. It's his best plan for our lives. It's the instruction manual. It's the uh, recipe. It is like he's given me his way so that I can thrive and be happy. Uh So I want to follow that because that's what I want. I want to be thriving and happy, which I am happiest when I'm in the presence of God. Right. Yeah. And I think that reminds me so much like of our adopted kids. It's like when they first moved in, they were teenagers. And of course we have the rules and they're doing them because, well, some of them were fearful. They'd not get adopted. Mm -hmm. Some of them, you know, were trying Mm -hmm. to make us happy. And then some of them were just rebelling. (laughs) You know, there's all these different reactions to it. But the core of it is when my relationship with them grew, then they started doing things because of the relationship. Not because they were yeah. fearful, we'd send them back to the the um, DHS worker, you know, or they. Yeah. You know, I mean, the it changed in that relationship with us built 
Um, and that has to be like, we have to get to our kids and we want them to do right and wrong from their core, not just because we're watching them. Because we've seen that with people that are 18, go off to college and then they start doing everything they're not supposed to because they don't have those eyes on them. But we want it to be from the inside. And I think that's the same way with our relationship with God. Like it, the more we draw close to him and have that close relationship, then like this is the way we want to do it. This is the joy that yeah. we find in and loving him and serving him and having that relationship. And I think that applies so much here. And I love it. I love that it's not. Yeah. And I think so many times it's like, I just remember the burden of, oh, no, did I mess up today? <laughs> like, how is God mm-hmm. going to look at me? And then now it's, it is. It's like, I don't want to watch that anymore because it just doesn't sit good on my soul. You know, it's just a different, totally yeah. different thing. Yeah. You know, in the book, I use a lot of plant analogies because I think that the plant world gives us a lot of really awesome port like ideas of what it means to be happy. And we didn't really define that Mm -hmm. here. And I do that in the book, but really it's not about like, you know, there, there's different, we, we, when we say the word happy, each of us has a different definition of that. And so we certainly need to get to a place where we are defining happiness the same way. And I do that in the book, but the, the, the plant world, we, we talk about plants being happy, right? Like, Oh, it's really happy in that pot, in that spot on my porch. And just, uh, in this last month we were doing some yard work and there were these, you know, the elephant ears, I think they're called. Um, there's a fancier name for it, but you know, this, um, yeah. And, and there was one that used to be under a tree, but my husband had done a bunch of cutting back. And now all of a sudden it was full sun and the poor thing was yellow and floppy. And it only had one, is it called a frond? I don't know. It only had one big leaf, one big elephant Uh ear leaf. Um, and that was it. And it was, it was maybe two feet off the ground. And I thought that thing needs to be moved. It, it, it likes shade. It doesn't want full sun. So I moved it. I put it in a pot and it's on our porch now. And so it ha- it's, has that shade. And the thing is huge. Like where the elephant ear was maybe a little bit bigger than the size of my palm. Mm-hmm. It is like two, the, the, the palm itself, like the big leaf itself is two feet. It's, I mean, we were just shocked at how big this thing is. Why? Because it's happy. It's reaching yeah. its full potential of what it was built to be in a certain environment. And there's four or five of them now. I mean, this it, it's huge. It, like we're going to have to probably move it to a different spot because it takes up about four or five feet all around because it's so mm-hmm. big. But before it was two feet high and yellow and floppy and it looked like it was about to die. But when we put it in good soil and when we gave it good, like it wasn't getting enough water either. And so we gave it water. It's getting the right amount of sun. It is in the presence of where it needs to be. And it is so happy. And I think it's just a beautiful picture of how we as Christians spiritually often are not in the right environment. We're not Mm -hmm. giving our soul what we need through God's word, through God's people. We're not depending on God's spirit. And so we're like that, that flimsy, yellow, worn out, ugly looking thing spiritually because we're not, we're not where we need to be. And when we get to where we need to be, that's where we really thrive and we see growth and we are a display for God's glory of look at what he's done for me. It's just amazing. Oh, I love that so much. And you talk about the secrets. Um, So there's six secrets. Um, A happy soul is focused on God. 
The happy soul is resolved to follow God's way. The happy soul is attached to God's word. The happy soul is dependent on God's provision. The happy soul is confident in who she is. And the happy soul is surrendered to her king. So it's not like the happy soul is living in a 3,600 uh, square foot beachside house <laughs> or has uh, yeah, whatever. I'm definitely bag not. Or, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so not like into clothes and bags and stuff. Whatever popular, um, you know, brand. I yeah. mean, it is. It's like all the internal. And I love that it's the happy soul. Um, mm-hmm. And we see like they just had a billionaire commit suicide in LA a couple days Mm. ago. Um, And it's like this, you know, he's produced movies and all this stuff and he is not a happy soul. (laughs) So I love that all these things, you know, attached to God's word and confident in who she is and surrender to the King. Um, And I love that that is the biblical basis and the true basis in the world, like how in Mm -hmm. reality of what happiness is. Yeah. Um, So how did you come up with figuring out like, okay, these are the secrets. Yeah. Well, it, they come from Psalm 1 and 2. And and, mm-hmm. and it really teaches it from start to finish that those are the main themes there. And I think most of us are probably most familiar with the first three or three to six verses of Psalm 1. You know, blessed is the one. That blessed word can and probably should be more accurately translated into happy. There's There mm-hmm. are some translations that translate that into happy. So happy is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the sea of, of mockers. So, you know, there's a deliberate, uh, there's deliberate choices to follow God's way, but to follow God's way, we got to know God's way, you know? Um, and then, you know, so I really just studied the passage and, and walked through what is this teaching? What this is wisdom poetry. What is this uh-huh. wi- wisdom poetry uh, communicating and how does they're not to do's right they are really identities these are identities of who we are if we are flourishing in christ if we allow god to do the work in us to make us more like christ these things become more and more and more true of us so they're not necessarily like goals to achieve as they are part of who we are but again, yeah. we do have work to just like that poor little plant that was not flourishing. We need to do the work of allowing, I, I talk about it being our spiritual DNA. It is who mm-hmm. we are through Christ when we were reborn, uh, born again, whatever, however you want to call it, that these things are inherently true of who we are spiritually. But we we get to do the work of, of inviting it out to the outside where people can see inside it's who we are spiritually but we get to do a working out that's what paul calls it in philippians 2 we get to work out our salvation not work for it work out the salvation so that it is visible and we are thriving yeah that is so good and i think when we are in our sweet spot like you're talking about and um we're willing to like okay i am Um, you know, I am God's daughter. I am surrendered to the King. I do trust him. And then we start living out of that place. Like our whole life completely changed, you know, and all the things that I was scared to do, like someone asked me, I mean, 1999, if I'd help start a crisis pregnancy center, I'm like, no, I'm like 20 something (laughs) years old, you know, but like God, when I went to his word, I'm like, oh yeah, you're telling us to care for people. You're telling, you know, all the, all the things that just serving others. And when I took those steps and saw the transformation of people's lives, the different choices people were making, like 
I had never been happier because it was like, even though it was so out of my comfort zone, serving and surrendering to what God was asking me to do and just loving other people just changed everything. And I think because the title of my podcast is Walk It Out, I love Mm -hmm. talking about that moment where we go from, I can't do it to surrendering and like, okay, this is what the Bible says and I'm actually going to do it now. Um, And I know in in chapters 14 and 15, you talk about the last secret, which is that surrender. Because I would just love to talk about that more because I think like, even though, I mean, I would say most people, you know, are making good choices and they do feel connected with God, but it comes to that point where do they trust him enough when they feel like this stirring within to actually step out and surrender and do something like that, follow that call. So I'd love to just hear more about what you came up with in those chapters. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at the book again, just because I like to have it in front of me when we're talking. But uh, Psalm 44 right here is on page 227. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord? Mm -hmm, Do you mm -hmm. see the it's how happy is anyone who has put like it's the happiness is the like they're together. They go together that that our our happiness, our fulfillment, our flourishing, our being in that I love how you put it, our sweet spot. Like our sweet spot yeah. is found <laughs> when we put our yeah. trust in the Lord. And I struggled with this too. Like like you you said, it, it surrender was such a scary word to me. I felt I I think I shared this, I don't remember, but I honestly felt as a teenager when I heard these words surrender, like, you know, just it was more of like live for God, live all out for Jesus. You know, don't don't do those things like don't go to parties and don't don't do those, you know, just don't do those bad things and come be a light for Jesus and all that. I I think this was because most of the people that I heard this from was I grew up in Christian school. And so every Friday there was somebody speaking and teaching like um a lot of times it was a teacher but sometimes they bring in missionaries and so these missionaries right. are encouraging us to live for God live for God and i honestly thought that if i surrendered to god that i would end up in africa living in a hut yeah. and married to an ugly man like i totally <laughs> thought that like i really truly thought that that's what was going to happen and that points back to what was important to me at the time my relationship with guys, the security that I felt and the the identity that I had in being pretty because somebody liked me, somebody saw me desirable. And so I had to have a boyfriend or at least somebody that I knew, oh, they want to be with me. And that gave me happiness. That's what gave me. And when I was unhappy, it was because I wasn't in a relationship or I didn't feel attractive. So my right. happiness, my feeling of it was, was was that. And so I I felt like if I surrendered to God that he was going to take that away because I think somewhere deep down I knew that it was not his best for me. Mm-hmm. But I was so I just automatically felt like he was just going to take it away from me immediately. <laughs> because right. he was just that angry dad that and jealous dad who was just like you shouldn't be doing any of this and just take it away. But my view of God was so small and one-sided. And sometimes God does take things away from us because it is what's best for us. Right. Um, right. But that's not always the case. And he ultimately did because it's funny. I went to Auburn after that um, cross country and I didn't have a date for like three years. (laughs) 
you're like, what? <laughs> but yeah. it was, you know what? He was doing a heart work in me mm-hmm. that it was, it was a lot of days it wasn't okay, but overall it was okay because it was what I needed to sever the ties that I had, this attachment that I had to finding my identity in something other than who God is is and has been on my behalf, like what Jesus has done for me. And, and so it's all that to say, surrender is scary. I get it. There's still days that even though I, I am walking with God and I've learned a lot more about God from, from that point, it's still scary sometimes because we mm-hmm. want to trust in what we can see and touch and feel. But every time we surrender to God and say, not my will, but yours be done, not my way, but I'm going to follow your way. He always proves himself faithful. And so mm-hmm. that makes it so much easier the next time. And I think it can start with simple things that we already know that is true. It doesn't have to be big things like whether or not we're going to go into vocational ministry. That's what I thought too, that if I surrendered to God, then that meant if I was 100% surrendered to God, then I would go be a missionary. Like I equated those two things together. I never thought that, oh, I can be a businesswoman and be surrendered to God. I can be a doctor and be surrendered to God. I can be a mom and be surrendered to God. Those things can be true. It's not about our vocation. So it we we've got to see though that God is good, that He is loving, that He has a good plan, He knows our past, present, and future. And it makes surrender just a little bit easier when we remember who mm-hmm. He is and start on what we already know. What do we already know in the Bible that we're not obeying? Like the little things, like yeah. being a part of a local church. I mean, that's not little. That is a big commitment. But, you know, like, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't mean to mean like, that. I yeah. don't want to make light of that. But it's like, <laughs> no, I think yeah, what I mean good. to say is the obvious. The obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, be a part of a local church. Read your Bible. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. things like and that. And I always tell people, like, when I'm talking, you know, because, I mean, just because God called us to adopt seven kids, he's not going to you did up seven kids like that was our journey that was part of his plan for us but um what's that stirring i would say like think about it what's that stirring that you know it's something that you're supposed to do but you haven't done it yet like maybe it's going to meet your neighbor like walking yes, next yes. door and and i'm like something's popping in your head right now isn't it and like the whole group is like nodding their head because it isn't for some people. It might be a big thing. I mean, my daughter is a missionary in the Czech Republic and Mm -hmm. she just felt like when she was 20, like God was telling her to move over there and work with the church there. I mean, that's that's a big step. She's still living there seven years later for us, you know, adopting kids. It wasn't, it was one child at a time. Like he didn't say like, wake up one day, (laughs) you're going to be waking seven children, adopting seven children. It was one. It was the first one that we like, okay, I think we could do this, but it, it can be, like you said, like going to visit a church that's like down the block or going, you know, walking next door and introducing yourself to your neighbor or, you know, whatever. And, when we pause and say, like, what do I know God has been asked me to do that I haven't done it yet? Something will pop in their mind. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is that. And I think that surrender, it doesn't have to be like the huge thing. It could be the, the small thing that that is just as important because God has something good in that for us. Um, and so I think so many times we think like, oh, it's just all about the other people. Like even, you know, me starting the Helping Start Christ Pregnancy Center, I thought it was like all about, um, you know, those people out there. And of course it is, but it's also about me. God wanted to show me 
skills I had and open opportunities for me and guide me and mature me and all these things that was good for me too. It wasn't just like surrender is not just for the other people or for to do something. It's about who he wants us to grow into being and like, you know, when we're in our sweet spot, <laughs> he wants mm-hmm. us to flourish um, in our lives. And I think surrender is that. So it's not just about, okay, we're just giving ourselves completely. It's like, yeah. it's for your good. Yeah. And our ability to surrender is absolutely tied to our view of God. Absolutely. If we, if like me, we see God as distant, disinterested, mm-hmm. um, waiting to zap me. <laughs> That's how I saw God. Yeah. Like, and, and just tapping his, you know, his arms crossed, toe tapped. And that, why would I want to run to that? Why would I want to run to that? But the reality is that is not how God is. It's not who mm-hmm. God is. He is full of mercy, full of grace. He's arms wide open, smiling, like, come to me now, you know? And when I, when my view of God is shaped by God's word, then I can, and, and also his past faithfulness, when I remember, oh yeah, he's provided for me before he's going to provide again. I may not know the timing. I may not know the how, but I know that he is faithful and I know that he is good. Um, and so it's really that the, the idea is the, the Bible calls it taking refuge that mm-hmm. we see him as our, our, our strong tower, our rock, fortress, shelter, shield, stronghold. The Bible uses those words to not only is God merciful and full of grace and all that, but he is, he can protect us. He like being with him is going to be the safest place for us to be. Uh, Maybe not physically, maybe not emotionally or not emotionally, like financially, you know, but spiritually that like taking refuge, that's where we are going to to thrive. And we, so we've got, but we can't take refuge if we don't believe that he is good. If we don't believe that he's powerful. Yeah. I love that. And that this image of taking a refuge and, you know, we, I studied homeschool medieval times a couple of years ago with the kids and the forts mm-hmm. and the castles and the, all the things. And that was that protection inside from all the hard stuff. And it's like, that's where we are with God. Like he wants to surround us and protect us and protect our hearts. And, um, you know, and I think so many times when we're just thinking about, okay, we got to make sure we're doing everything right. We can't relax in that refuge. And I love that we can just like, okay, God, I may have a bad attitude right now. And I really know that, you know, if I say anything to these kids right now, it's not going to be good. So let me just pull away go to my room, come to you, take refuge, remember who you are, remember what this whole thing is about. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, my soul is settled, even though the kids might still be screaming outside the bedroom door. (laughs) It's like (laughs) coming to him over and over again and taking refuge. And that is, that's what it's about. And I think that's part of, like you're saying, surrender. It's like, okay, I can pull away. I can come to him. I can let him surround me and protect me and guide me and help me. And it's a good place to be And that we do mm-hmm. find happiness. And I love the subtitle of your book is experience the deep delight you were made for. And that deep delight, um, it can come in small ways, even in hard times. Like we are going through mm-hmm. hard times right now, yeah. but just finding that way to be delighted in God, it, it just makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. I love um, all that you shared in this book. Like I said, mind blowing when I read along and like, I have I not heard this before about Psalm one and two? But and that's what I love about, um, you know, that's what I love about 
people who God is speaking through Katie. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, he's using Katie's word to speak to me. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just the goodness of how he uses us to serve and help other people. So thank you. Thank you for willing, being willing to write this book and, and share your heart and um, just share the secrets of happiness. Oh, well, thanks for having so, uh, me. And like I said, I, I didn't I didn't ever think I would write a book on happiness. In fact, I never thought mm-hmm. I would ever write a book. I am a science geek who hated English <laughs> growing up. And so this has never been on my like bucket list professionally or personally or anything like that, like not in my aspirations. And so the fact that mm-hmm. God has asked me, a poor writer who, yes, I've, I've invested a lot of time and energy and money into, you know, working the trade or... or get trained in how to do this because more and more I felt God leading me to communicate through word, but oh goodness, it, this, that, that anything is coherent is absolutely a work of God. (laughs) I love that. See, you surrendered and look. (laughs) Oh gosh, I hate writing. It's grown on me, but I really do. It is. I just rather speak. I don't want to write. Oh, that is so So, funny. And I'm like, at first I'm like, just let me sit in front of a computer and I'll tell you what I think. Don't make me get in front of the people. But now now I love it. Now I love it. But at first I'm like, ah, no. See, but we (laughs) surrendered. And look what God is doing. (laughs) Oh, well, Katie, thank you so much. Um, Where can people go to find more information about you and Secrets of the Happy Soul? Yeah, well, I have a website. It's katieor.me, K-A-T-I-E-O-R-R dot M-E. And I'm on all the social media thingies. Um, it seems like they're changing every day, but it's um, at the Katie or uh, T-H-E-K-A-T-I-E-O-R-R. And so you can find a link to the books um, from my main website or go to secretsofthehappysoul.com. Yeah. And um, we will put all these in the show notes, but you know, if you're just driving along or making dinner right now, just want to go to our website, you can do that too. But Katie, thank you so much for being here and just sharing with us and, and surrendering to put these words down for us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Trisha. I appreciate you, your invitation and I'm so thankful for your ministry and for your personal uh, life and example of um, really being a happy soul. Well, thank you. Okay, friends, that was super fun. I love that we just started the podcast, um, The Secrets of the Happy Soul, with so much laughter. So after um, Katie and I stopped recording just a couple of minutes ago, we just started busting up laughing. And we're like, well, this was the weed and poop episode. So there you go. Um, you're welcome very much for the joy that we brought to you today with our crazy stories. So what I love though so much is just the understanding that it's okay to have a happy soul, that we can take deep delight in God, that he wants to take us to that sweet spot that he has for us, where it's the the right amount of water and soil and light and shade, and that we will just flourish and grow in that place. And as someone who I mentioned before, like when I first became a Christian, just so worried about, I can't do this and do that to someone now who just, I find so much joy in every day of serving my husband and kids and reaching out to others and having these conversations and doing the podcast. It's like the do's and don'ts aren't in my mind because I'm so full of joy in the steps that God has led me in. I don't have a desire to watch the things I shouldn't be watching or because I'm just so full of the joy in the things of 
that I'm doing, the happiness in the things that I'm doing. And I just love when we get to that place. And um, this book is so good. And especially what we talked about in Surrender is just the perfect way um, to end the book, which again, she said is based on that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 chapters. Um, But today's Walk It Out verse is actually from Psalm 40, verse 4. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord. And really, that's what I want to pray um, for us today. So let me just pray for all of us. Dear Lord, I thank you so much that you are our refuge, our strength. You are dependable. You love us. You're full of grace. You're full of just a desire for us to draw close to you, Lord. And when we do that, we will find that deep delight, that happiness that our our soul wants so much, Lord. I pray that all those, um, whatever questions or worries that we have about drawing close to you, that you will just, your love will just overflow those, that those won't even be worried and concerned. I remember, Lord, even the teachings that I got as a little kid, just so worried that you're going to be angry with me for so many years, kept me from drawing close to you. And I thank you, Lord, um, that as I drew close, I realized that you are a God of love and compassion and that you just wanted to be with me and I didn't need to be afraid. So that's what I'm praying today, that Whatever uh, walls or borders or boundaries are there that keep um, the listeners from drawing close to you, I pray that those will just crash in today and that your love and joy and peace and happiness will just flow into the hearts of the listeners. I thank you for Katie. I thank you for the work and the dedication she did um, to like she said, it was hard work writing Secrets of the Happy Soul. And I think so many times um, we think that just because someone's an author that it's easy and a joy to them. And I, I appreciate that her, sh- her sharing that it's really hard and that writing is really hard for her. I pray that you'll bless her. I pray that you will um, bless this book. I pray that you will bless their church that her and her husband pastor and their family and her speaking ministry and her writing ministry. Um, and that you will just abundantly use her in amazing ways to bless other people, Lord. I thank you for this book and that it may get in the hands of people who need it, dear dear Heavenly Father. Um, Dear Lord, we just come to you and thank you that you are a God that is um, there for us and that can bring joy and happiness and deep delight to our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out today. And I'm so glad Katie mentioned that writing can be hard because I want to talk again. If you listen to a couple other podcasts, you've heard me talk about this at the end. But I do have um, a private group for writers, those who want to write, write books, write articles, write blogs, um, whatever your desire is, I want to help you. So write that book is a private subscription group on Facebook and it's a community. It's a place where one to two times a week, three, sometimes three, sometimes four experts, whether it's me or editors or professional authors or professional marketing staff or uh, agents come and they 
do live office hours for an hour that you can tune in during that time. You can post questions at a time. You can tune in during that time, ask questions, and they will respond. They will teach on a certain thing. We've had lessons on book proposals um, about how to um, stay dedicated in your writing, how to balance writing with kids and work and other responsibilities. Um, I'm going to be doing one soon on writing um, a true story, how to take true stories, whether it's your own or other people's, and put them into book form. So these are all lessons that we give in live videos in the group. It's also a place where you could post your questions. Um, and then also there's emails that you receive from me with other lessons on devotional writing and book proposals and how to pull out themes in your life and use them in your work. All these things come in emails too. So it's a great community. It's $24.95 a month. And we have a link in the show notes. So again, the community is called Write That Book with Trisha Goyer. And it's um, if you go to the show notes, you'll see a, a link that goes to Teachable. And you can sign up there and you'll be put in the group. So if you know someone or if you want to write a book and don't know where to start, um, it's I try to keep it as inexpensive as possible so you can get the help you need without leaving your home. And the community really is awesome. Not only the amazing experts that I know, but all the the people in the group that are some have been there for almost two years. And I love this community and how they just love and support each other. So again, that's in the show notes. Well, thank you friends so much for tuning into Walk It Out. I pray that you will be blessed. I pray that your day will continue to be filled with happiness and laughter. Thanks friend. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.